0: Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. I received some emails this week, you know, from organizations, and one is the organization that Jay Seculo runs. I, I couldn't tell you the name of it right off the top of my head, but I'm sure some of you get the emails. And and as I read it, I'm reading about the terrorism that's going on in our world and the devastation that's going on. And you know, when it comes to our kids, we get very possessive, right? Protective. And the atrocities that are going on around this globe, we need his Holy Spirit to pour upon us, to hear of children, young children, teenagers being burned, being killed in all kinds of different ways, let alone our brothers and sisters across this world. I just want to take a minute and pray for them, if you'll bow your head with me. Father, we live in a world where we don't fully understand that. We are so blessed. and Lord, I want to thank you for our blessing, and Lord... I'm not going to apologize for the blessing that we have, but Lord, continue to hone our hearts in to the needs of our brothers and sisters across this globe that are living for your name that are speaking out your name. And Father, we ask that you would just be merciful to them, that you will strengthen them, and that, Lord God, as they continue to speak your name, that you will sustain them whatever environment, whatever situation they find themselves in. We ask that you would bless them as individuals. I ask that you bless their families now. And Father, we give you the praise, Lord. We give you the glory. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, amen today, if you brought your Bible, we're going to turn to the book of Romans 13, and we're going to start there this morning. And I just want to read Romans 1, or Romans 13, 1 through 5. And as Pastor Pat, before he left, we talked a little bit. We're talking about leaders, social and spiritual responsibility of leaders, And, and that's what we want to look at today, and we're going to just hit it from one particular angle. So let me begin to read this. Romans 13, verses 1 through 5. I will tell you this, all the scripture that I'm going to read this morning is out of the New Living Translation, so just so that you're aware of that. It says in verse 13, verse 1, or chapter 13, verse 1, everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent to your, sent for your good, but if You are doing wrong. Of course, you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants, sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. I think it's safe to say that there's a healthy amount of skepticism concerning government. And I found a quote from President Ronald Reagan and I was told that it was attributed to him that he said this one time. It says, I think you all know that I've always felt the nine most terrifying words in the English language are. I'm from the government and I'm here to help. (laughs) His cynicism, I think, kind of reflects maybe, maybe our own. I'm not sure. If you agreed with his politics or not, That's not what I'm here to talk to you about today. But I will say one thing. I did think he communicated pretty good what I think a lot of people felt. And if we look at it, he hasn't been there in almost 30 years now as a president. So as I take that and I weigh that, I begin to look at the words of the Apostle Paul. And Paul, as we read his words, we discover that that government really is here to help. And as we think about the role of government in our culture, one of the things that we must do is to try to take off. And, I, and honestly, I didn't plan to start with this, but maybe this is where it's coming from: is to take off maybe our American lenses. And when we talk about government, and our and our minds tend to always focus on our federal government, our state government, maybe even our local government structures. The Apostle Paul didn't have these things in mind when he penned the words that I just read a few minutes ago. So my goal is always to try to make it as relevant as I can to our lives and and, realizing Paul lived in a very different world than what you and I live in. Paul was living in a world that was dominated by the Roman Empire. Paul's counsel was somewhat shocking to the Christians living in Rome. The Roman Empire was one of the most evil and cruel empires to ever rule a larger part of the world. At that time, the emperor Nero was in control. He took pleasure in killing Christians. In fact, historians tell us that he burned many Christians as torches to light up his garden. Yet in spite of its cruelty, the the Immorality, the persecution of Christians. Paul said to submit to the government that was there in Rome. His instruction to submit is kind of front, not kind of, his submission or his instruction to submit is front and center of that passage. I I just want to throw up two other references really quick, if I can, that um, comes out of one is out of Daniel, and it's chapter 4, verse 32. And it said, you will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields and with the wild animals. And you will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. This was the words to Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar learned a very hard lesson and spent time out acting just like what we read there because it was God's choice. God is in control. If I can read another one to you, another, just a second passage, just comes out of Psalm um, 75, verses 6 and 7. It says, For no one on earth from east or west or even from the wilderness should raise a defiant fist. It is God alone who judges. He decides who will rise and who will fall. God can even use a corrupt government. He can use ungodly officials. He can use even unjust legislation. So, I'm not going to dig any further into that this morning. What we're looking at instead is the reason for obeying the government. Paul's word gives us insight into God's vision and the role of government. And his words speak to to those of us who seek to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. Is that you? I hope that you seek to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Paul reminds the Roman Christians that God is the one who establishes governments. Three times in two verses Paul states that, as a matter of fact, about government authority. So without turning in our Bibles at this time, let's give me a minute to just reflect quickly on a few historical, biblical facts. When God wanted to take his people out of Egypt, he broke the will of Pharaoh with ten plagues, right? In God's dealings with his people, he used the governments of the world to bring blessing or punishment as needed. The Bible writers acknowledge that God used the Assyrians to destroy Israel. Later, God used Nebuchadnezzar to take the people into captivity in Babylon as punishment for their disobedience. There they repented and they returned to the Lord. Then God brought in Cyrus, king of the Medes and the Persians, to set his people free and and place them back into the promised land. The Old Testament indicates that the Lord blessed all people through Cyrus in the book of Isaiah. In the New Testament, God's control of kings and governments continued. See, we got to understand, God's timing is always right. Luke's gospel tells us that at a time... When the Roman Emperor Augustus, and I'll just say dot, 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 God's Son was to enter the world just as this emperor was issuing a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. It was a time when the world had the best roads, or had at that time had great roads, it had a postal service safe travel. It seemed to be in in some kind of semblance of law and order. Now, I can't speak to it because I wasn't there, but the Roman government did make things happen. Paul was appealing to the sovereign nature of God, and if we believe nothing else, don't we really ultimately believe God is in control? But I know that question comes up and you may ask, what about the evil governments? Uh, Is God responsible for the power of the communists who tried to stamp out the gospel? Or what about Adolf Hitler? What about Saddam Hussein? Or how about our own immoral, corrupt, uh, crooked politicians that are found in our own government? Is God responsible for their power? (laughs) Here we see the power of sin at work in God's creation. The fact that any leader is, as a sinful human takes authority and abuses it, it's, it's not God's fault for that happening. I, can I paraphrase something that I, I um, saw that Ravi Zacharias has said? He said the problem with the theocracy is not with God, but with those who represent God when they begin to think they are God. And this holds for our government too. We must be careful that those in our own government don't assume that they have taken God's place. I think some really do believe they have. And I I believe some try to act that way. See, government is not God. And government is a tool given that God uses for his purposes. When Jesus was on trial before Pontius Pilate, he corrected Pilate's, False understanding of, of, of his, of government authority. Pilate said, don't you realize that I have the power to either, or I have the power either to free you or to crucify you. But Jesus responded with this in John nineteen eleven. It says, you have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. See, sin is a powerful thing. And the same sin that touches the depths of our heart could touch the depth of even the best human government. One of our biggest hurdles for us to cross in order to have the attitude that Paul describes in these verses in Romans chapter 13 is to see the governing authorities as being established by God. When the Holy Spirit works that conviction in us into us, then we will want to submit to the governing authorities that there are. So that's the social side of it. Let's bring it around to the church for a minute. Turn with me to another passage of Scripture, if you will. Hebrews 13. I want to just look at one verse. It's Hebrews 13 and verse 17. I hear pages. I like to hear pages turning. I'll give you a moment. Hebrews 13 and verse 17. And it says this. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not sorrow not with sorrow that would be certain or that would certainly not be to your benefit obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say now he's not saying just be blind ignorant sheep we heard that back in Last June, almost a year ago now, we're coming up. When Pastor Emeritus Annalee Dunn decided to move, she said she prayed. And she felt that the Lord directed her to uh, call on Pastor Pat and Julie to step in and take this. This wasn't just something that just happened because it happened to be the structure that was here. This was something that we believe, that we truly believe, God drove it to this place, directed it to this place. And it's going to take us giving our heart to say, Lord, I believe in you and I believe in your structure and I believe in the way things can happen and you can direct it and you can guide it. And Lord, put me in a place where I can submit my heart to the leading of the shepherd that you have put in this church. You can make your pastor's job <laughs> joyful or full of grief, according to this scripture. One will be profitable for you, and the other isn't. With that said, again, I'm not saying to just do this in blind obedience. This would be more for our pastoral Leadership here, First Peter 5.3 says, don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. I stand here with our pastors gone on vacation. I hope they're not watching online. I really do. I hope they're taking a vacation. They need a break. But if they are, Lord bless their hearts. And I believe that they take that scripture very seriously to their heart. That they just don't take care of people, so to speak, assigned to them. But they lead through the example that they set. The the way Pastor Pat, Pastor Julie, they love people. And I could stand here and I could say that they take their position of being accountable to our God very, very seriously. See, God works through headship and not the other way around. God's government is more like what we would maybe use, a good example would be our military. There are different levels of headship over various areas which are all subject to a commander-in-chief. Our pastor is the headship position over this church, over the church, under the control of Jesus Christ, who is the lead of the church. Amen? He's the chief shepherd. But the pastor, the pastor is kind of like our central nervous system. He receives the messages from Jesus. He receives the messages from the head, and then he directs it to the members of the body. And then the body does what? The body should be carrying out the message that we're receiving. When this gets reversed, that's when we begin to run into problems. The spiritual battles battles that, that our pastors and our church leaders face are difficult. That's why in 1 Timothy 2 you read that, that Paul urges believers to pray for the people in positions that are in authority. And in 1 Samuel 12, 23, uh, the writer says, Moreover, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. This applies to leaders, and this applies to those that are following. Those that are following the pastor's words. We have no reason, and I hope we don't do a lot of complaining. I hope that we be very careful that we don't do a lot of criticizing, because really where we need to be is in a place of prayer for our leaders. And I would just, this is just flat out me, if you know what I mean. If you haven't been praying, don't be criticizing. I, I had um, parents that were, you know, before they came to Bethesda, and before they, as they were learning, as they were growing, they had a pastor that was in their life, and I loved their pastor's philosophy. I haven't quite learned how to adapt it yet, but his philosophy was, when the church came together, when the leaders came together, when they, and they would start to talk, even if it was their church council, or whatever it was, if we spend 45 minutes talking, we should spend 45 minutes praying. And I thought, you know what? Lord, help me. Help me to apply that. If I could spend however much time talking and rumoring or whatever else, Lord, if my tongue is getting away from me, Lord, first of all, help me to stop that. Help me to stop that. But Lord, as much as I want to talk, help me spend that equal amount of time, at least equal amount of time, if not more, in time of prayer to see where your heart is, to see where you are directing and where you are guiding. So I just want to encourage you today that, you know what, I'm not saying that there's anybody here and I'm definitely not pointing a finger because I've learned that thing where I point one finger at somebody, I've got more pointing back at me, right? Can you imagine the feeling of support, encouragement, and strength that will be infused into our leaders when they know that their people are praying for them? And I just want to let you know, I just commend those that have been coming out. last or Yesterday morning, we had a group that was out praying again, praying for our leaders, praying for our church, praying for our nation. That's where we need to be. We need to be in that place. We need to be lifting that up before our God on a consistent basis. That was exciting to me to see the people coming together. It's not a huge group of people, but every Tuesday there's a prayer group that gets together at 10.30 and they bring the needs of every prayer request that we get in. I I pass them on and send it to that group and our leaders in that group take every prayer request and they pray for it. And then beyond that, they take our missions, they take our missionaries, they take our church leaders, they take our Sunday school rooms, they take all kinds of things before the Lord in prayer every single Tuesday. That's an example that I want us all to be thinking about and doing what we can to be a part of it. I understand it's not easy for everybody to be here at 10.30 on a Tuesday morning. I get that. But let's be grateful for those that do and let's continue to join them in our way of prayer and supporting that. Let our pastors know you're praying for them. When the voices of the people are heard lifting up their voices to God, oh, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what can happen. Have you ever heard of what a supercharger does to a car engine? You know what I'm talking about. That turbo kicks in or that supercharger will kick in, make it go way faster than it does just as a regular. I never had a supercharger on my engine. I was smart enough to know it would get me in trouble. But I could take that and understand that because I've been in some automobiles that were really fast to a point of scaring me. And I'm not trying to say it like that, but I'm trying to say, ooh, the blood begins to churn and you know, you get all these type of feelings and nerves and everything. Like When, when, when God's people are praying for their leaders, oh, we could get them supercharged. We could get them just feeling the excitement of what's going on in the body. I'll tell you what, standing down there and worshiping this morning, I hope you were feeling something stirring inside of you. I hope you were feeling something moving inside of you. Because I'll tell you what, the Lord is moving, and the Lord is doing something. And I'm going to believe, and I truly believe, He's doing something in this church, and I am absolutely believing we still have tremendous and great days ahead of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to be the one in prayer and I hope that you will join me that we're praying for our pastors that they will just have the courage and the boldness and the confidence to continue and especially the strength to do what we believe and what we know the Lord has called them to do. What a blessing it is to have faithful and loyal people in a church. I consider this group of people that. We have so many faithful. We have so many loyal people here. I just do commend you in that. So as they're finishing up, they're taking this last few days and enjoying their time away, I'm going to ask that you will continue to pray for our pastors, Pat and Julie, so that when they do stand before, the groups that they have a chance to stand before here in this church whenever he has a chance to maybe go out and speak or Julie has a chance to go out and speak or any of our leaders. And you know what? That's, that's the entire staff that we have. And for me, folks, I want to say for every Sunday school teacher that we have sitting in this place, from the, from the youngest of children to the oldest of adults that we have here, for those that are in our nurseries and they've been over there and they've been pouring out God's word to, to our children in the nursery, Let's pray for them. Let's support them. Let's help them do that too. But it all starts at the headship that we have around here. Pastor Pat and Julie. They spend, I'm telling you, they spend a substantial amount of time praying for the work that they do. They're here and they're praying for each and every one of us. They're praying for their leadership team that they have working with them. They're praying for all the different Sunday school teachers, all the different teachers that teach in this place. It doesn't matter at what time, but if you handle the word, I know they're praying for it. See, our desire is for Jesus Christ to be the center of all that we do. And that many will come in to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And then when they come in and they have the opportunity to make Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior, then we as a church have a chance to do some discipling, to leading, to directing, to encouraging, to teaching, to strengthening. Let us be a blessing. Because we want to be a blessing to them that that when they have to... um, answer that it will be a joy for them and not sorrow. And that for each and every one of us it will be a benefit for us. I I want God's benefits. How about you? (laughs) Why not? I want his benefit to be in my life. So you know what? I say let's do it the way that the Lord has described and prescribed through his word. Let us make their work a joy. Let us make the church work, the leadership here a joy. And then we will receive the benefits and the advantage of what God's word says. That's for those that would have asked Jesus Christ in their heart. So if you will bow your head with me right now. I've wrestled with this in my own mind a little bit. Lord, how do we end this time? but I don't know if you're here today for the very first time I don't know if you've uh, asked the Lord Jesus Christ to be your savior but Romans 10 says that if we believe that he is who he said he is that if we believe Jesus is the Lord And with our mouths, we'll confess that he's risen from the dead. Then we can be saved. We can have his gift. What Jesus did on the cross for you and me. We did a lot of talking about that over the last few weeks through our Easter time and all that. But we can never talk about it enough because Jesus willingly gave his life for us that we're separate from him so that we could be brought into a place where we can be joined with him. And if that's you here today and you've never made that opportunity, I want to say today can be that time. All it takes is confession and belief in Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. Will you stand with me today? Father, Lord, I pray for this group of people and I thank you that they have been here, Lord, and I thank you for for your love for us and how you have called people to this place. Lord, help us to go back and, and, and look at Romans 13 and understand that, Lord God, you have a design even for government. And Lord, it's mankind that has twisted it, Lord, because that's what man does man separate from you is going a wrong direction. And Lord, I want to pray for anyone that is in this place today that hasn't made you the Lord of their lives, that today can be that day for salvation for them, that they don't try to do it on their own strength and in their own way, but that there is a loving God, there is a God that loves them so dearly that you made a way for them to be able to come to you through Jesus Christ. And Lord, I just ask that they will make sure or that they will take time to make sure that they bow their knee before you this day and make you Lord of all. Because Lord, we don't have the right to proclaim and a state that all the scriptures that are, or all the promises of scripture are ours until we make you the Lord of our lives and we follow you in all the ways that we would walk. So, right now, I pray for each heart, Lord. Maybe even those that have strayed a little bit and decided today's a day I need to get back to that path. Lord, I just ask that you would just bless them at this time. Lord, continue to stir in their hearts, continue to stir in their minds that, Lord, they want to be able to claim the promises of your word for them today. Lord, even through all the songs that we sang today, we have to make you Lord of all. So, Lord, I just pray for those today. And Lord, I also pray for those today that are here that have made you their Lord, that do confess that you are their Savior, that you are their leader, that you are the Christ. Lord God, I'm just asking that you continue to bless each and every one of them that, Lord, as they move out from this place today, that, Lord God, they would be encouraged in their spirit and in their heart that as they go out today into the world that you have placed us in, that we will be an example, we will be a light, we will be a shining light in this world that you have put us in to be great examples of followers of Jesus Christ today. Lord, I just ask that you bless each one that is in this place. Keep them, and Lord, as they go. Lord, because we've been in your presence today. Your presence, your spirit is here. That, Lord God, we don't walk out of this place different than how we, or that we do walk out different than how we came in. That as we step through those back doors and we go out into this world, we understand that you are sending us, to a people that need to hear what you've planted inside of us, that we are not ashamed of the gospel and we are able to speak the name of the Lord. We thank you that we're able to do that where we are in this world. Strengthen us, encourage us as we go. And Lord, as each one exits this sanctuary, they will know that you have placed them in the mission field that you have for them as they go. We ask it in your precious And in your mighty name. But before I say amen, I just want to say if you are in a place that you need prayer, that you would desire prayer, especially to make him your Lord, I ask, please come down forward and and talk with somebody before you go. We would love to pray with you. We would love to help you walk this walk. And we want to be here with you to embrace you and to walk with it. If you've strayed, today's a day you can quit that straying and you can get back to what the Lord has for you please take that time. Come forward. We would love to pray with you. We have a number of people that are here that are ready to pray with you. So please make that time before you leave. Amen? All right. And I say amen, Lord, and bless this congregation of people in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you today.